Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to see you if you've been away for a few weeks. Um, and great to see you as well if, this is your, if you've kind of joined us for the first time over the summer. Um, we're continuing, as Richie said, our series in Proverbs this week. We're looking at various themes that run through the book. And today we're on this theme of money. We're looking to wise up about our wealth. Well, shall we just pray uh, as we come and do that? Let's pray, shall we? Father, we've just prayed that you would take our life and let it be all you purpose, Lord, for you. Lord, we've prayed that you would take our wealth, all that we possess, and that you would make us rich in faithfulness. And so, Father, we pray that uh, as uh, we look at your word now, that that would be how you answer that prayer, or begin to. We ask that you do a deep work in us and consecrate us for you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is my first sermon for a while, um, and I was saying to someone the other day that uh, writing and giving a sermon is a bit like riding a bike, and I meant by that that it's quite wobbly, uh, and you can kind of easily fall off, but then he sort of said, oh, you just, you just pick it up straight away and you never forget, and that's not what I meant. Um, I meant the wobbly thing, so it's maybe a bit more like a tightrope, because uh, you feel like you could sort of fall off very easily, and I feel like that especially today, I have to say because we're talking about money. And it's a pretty controversial subject, isn't it? There's lots of different opinions about money floating around in our world today. For some people, it's a valuable tool. We're used to making hard-headed decisions about money. We recognize its value and, and use it a lot. There's no problem with money, we might think, as long as we're trusting God. But other people are, are very wary of money. They see having a lot of money as kind of a thing to be suspicious about. Well, at church, uh, we tend to only talk about money when we're talking about giving. But today, we're not going to do that. We're, we might talk about giving a little bit at the end. But we're going to look generally at what Proverbs has got to say about how we view money and how we handle money in this world. And that is like walking a tightrope, trying to explain what Proverbs has got to say about money. Uh, to see that, have a look firstly at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 15. Um, I'm going to encourage you to look up most of the Proverbs this morning. So you can find this one on page 643, and the page number should be coming up on the screens as well. So page uh, 643, Proverbs 10, verse 15. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. That's a proverb that's representative of the ones that are positive about wealth. And lots of proverbs are like that. We saw that in our reading as well. I don't know if you picked it up as Richie read. Wisdom is pictured in chapter 3 as a lady, a woman who holds out to us long life in her right hand and riches in her left hand. If we get wisdom, if we hold on to Lady Wisdom, she's offering us riches as well. So Proverbs has got lots of positive things to say about wealth. That's one side of the coin. But let's have a look at Proverbs 18, verse 11. And this one's coming up on the screen. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Sound familiar? Oh, and have I typed on the rest of it? No? Oh, yeah, there we go. Oh, look at that. Um, uh, they imagine it an unscalable wall. Can you see what this writer's doing? It's almost like he's read the first proverb 
And he's saying, that is true. Wealth is positive. But hold on a second. It can easily be something that we overvalue. It's not quite as simple as it being positive. There's this tendency to overvalue wealth. Well, today we're going to try and walk along this tightrope. We're going to try and see what is good about wealth, sort of Proverbs 10, but without falling off into a Proverbs 18 danger zone. Okay? Well, before we get into the detail, let's just think very briefly and generally about wisdom and about what wisdom has to say about money. Lady Wisdom, you can picture this woman calling us to align ourselves with God's world. That's what wisdom is, aligning ourselves with God's world, with his ways of doing things. She calls us to walk with her, to learn from her. And those ways are ways of life and of peace and of prosperity. And some of those ways are common sense. They could be things, just everyday wisdom, like the idea that wealth matters. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that. But other times, her ways can be a little bit more elusive, a bit more hard to figure out. The death of Jesus is called God's wisdom in the Bible. Because it looks foolish, doesn't it? Somebody dying on a cross, and yet it saves the world. So Proverbs is giving us God's reality, both the common sense bits of reality and the things that are less common sense. And we need that. We need to know what the world is like to live rightly, to live wisely in God's world. But we do need to remember that when Lady Wisdom is calling to us, she's not just offering us a sort of a a cake recipe, something we can follow the instructions for and we'll get a perfect cake. It's, It's deeper than that. It's about her calling to us and offering us a, a new way of living. She's coming to us and saying, walk with me, learn from me, get wisdom. So I'm not going to offer you a money-back guarantee on this sermon this morning. That's what I, what I want to be clear about. It's not like you can just follow everything Sam's saying, and you, and you can come back to me in a year, and if your bank account hasn't grown, uh, you can kind of come and, come and tell me about it. Wisdom doesn't give us this sort of straightforward, do this, and you will definitely get this. What it does aim to do is teach us about God's ways. And there is a sense that when we do that, when we walk with God, we will be following ways, paths that will lead to riches, prosperity, as well as long life and peace. And I think part of wisdom is working out how exactly that happens. And I'm not going to give you a short, snappy answer right away. Uh, So let's just bear that in mind as we go through, okay? Wisdom is offering us these things. But it's not going to be a situation where you can have your money back um, if, if it doesn't happen in the next year or so. Okay? So let's see what we can learn about money then from Proverbs. I've got four points this morning. Two of them are, are going to be ways that we should see money in this world if we're wise. And that will lead on to two ways that we should handle money if we're wise. So firstly then, the wise value wealth. If you hadn't twigged it yet, Proverbs does tell us straight away that money is not the most important thing in life. There isn't a MasterCard for everything. And you can see that in chapter 10, verse 2. So back on page 643, if you you turned over the page there. Proverbs 10, verse 2. Ill-gotten treasures are of no value, but righteousness delivers from death. There's a reality, isn't there, that treasure whether it's ill-gotten or not, will look valuable now. But what we need to remember is that it will have no value 
come our dying day. But righteousness, aligning ourselves with God, above all by trusting in Jesus, that will have value. That will deliver us from death. It's striking, isn't it? In the second uh, proverb, this is the second sort of one of these short proverbs in, in the book, it, Proverbs is already telling us that there are things that matter much more than money. Righteousness, love, reputation, wisdom itself, all these things are much more important than money. But don't make the mistake of thinking that money therefore doesn't have any value at all. So let's look back again at at verse 15 of chapter 10. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The reality is that wealth does serve as a sort of a safety net if you've got it. It can buffet you from the ups and downs of life. It's why people have pension funds and investments. Money does protect you in some way. And I think in the second line, there's a hint of another reality, the idea of the rack of poverty. What is it that ruins the poor in this proverb? Have a look at it. Poverty is the ruin of the poor. In this proverb, it's not talking about laziness or squandering money. Poverty itself contributes to the ruin of the poor. Lack of exposable incomes exposes you to disposable income exposes you to life's ups and downs. You end up getting credit card debt. You enter a spiral of debt. The one who borrows, another proverb tells us, is a slave to the one who lends. And we can see that happening in our world all around us at the moment, can't we? So, brothers and sisters, it is naive to think that wealth is an irrelevance in God's world. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The wise value wealth. That's our first point. So if you're going to university in the next few years, you'd be wise to count the cost of your degree. I'm not saying don't go to university, I'm not saying don't study something that you love, but count the cost of that degree and think about whether it's going to be worth it to you in the long run. If we're wise, it's not therefore unspiritual to plan for our retirement, is it? To use various financial products to help us do that. We've got God-breathed words here reminding us that wealth really is valuable. It does make a difference. We'd be foolish to ignore what God's saying here. But I suppose we'd want to be careful at the same time that we're not contributing to the poverty of the poor in the way we handle our own wealth. Sometimes I think Christians more generally feel guilty about having money. But I'm not sure that we should, at least not just when you think about money itself. Lady Wisdom doesn't turn her nose up at wealth. She values it, and she teaches us that it could be a blessing that God has given us. Okay, so that's our first point, the wise value wealth. But Lady Wisdom is also wary of wealth. So go back to chapter 18, verse 11. We'll put this one on the screen again, so don't, you don't need to turn to it if you don't want to. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. The safety net is not as strong as we might think. There are things that no matter how much money you've got, you will not be buffeted from. Could be sickness, could be a massive financial crisis that sweeps the whole world. That's obvious, isn't it, really? 
So it's worth asking, why do we need a proverb to remind us about that? Well, isn't it because if we are wealthy, there's an ever-present danger that we will overvalue our wealth, that we'll imagine it an unscalable wall in our imagination. We'll think to ourselves, I'm secure. I'm protected from all of life's ups and downs. No, we're not. No, we are not. Uh, the proverb just before, us in chap- in, before it in chapter 18 tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. That's the true safety net, isn't it, for God's people. And the danger is money creeps into our imaginations and it replaces God. It becomes our safety net functionally. We're not trusting God, really. We're trusting our money because we imagine it an unscalable wall. So let's not think of money as being just like our breakfast cereal, something that we can just eat and consume and use without having to think about the consequences. We also need to think about it as something like a pack of cigarettes. It's dangerous. Our payslips ought to come with a health warning. The numbers that we have in our bank accounts are not just digits, they're not just pure numbers, they're not neutral, they're dangerous. Sometimes we think about wealth as being a tool. I think that's true. But it's, it's, it's like a, a power drill. You need to be very well qualified if you're going to use it. You need to be wise. Otherwise, it could overwhelm you. So the wise are wary of wealth. And to see a couple of illustrations of the dangers of wealth, turn over to chapter 13, if you would, page 646. Chapter 13, uh, verse 7. Uh, Already we've seen that wealth can delude you about yourself and your security, but it can also delude you about others. Verse 7. One man pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Two people. One splashes the cash. He's a big spender. The other, well, she wears clothes with holes and has got a phone that looks like it's from the 1990s. But this proverb reminds us that it's not nearly so simple to pick out which one is wealthy and which one is poor. The first one could be running up massive credit card debts, uh, while the woman could be sitting on uh, a big inheritance but just doesn't choose to show it. Well, that's one way to read it. Another way to read it is that the first person is actually financially rich, but they're pretending to be wealthy because they lack everything that really matters in life, love and righteousness and those kinds of things. While the person who seems poor, a person maybe like the Lord Jesus, actually has all the wealth in the world. But again, why why would we need a proverb like this to point out what's quite obvious? I think it's because we tend to value people on the basis of how much money they have or how much money we think they have. We envy the person who appears to be rich and we pity the person who appears to be poor. And so money has got this ability to blind us to reality. We're massively prone to value somebody and and think about them as how successful they are on the basis of how much money we have. Uh, It's a bit like this, slide. 
Looney Tunes has got a lot of wisdom, I've been discovering. The dollar signs get into our eyes. We almost can't think of anything else. Well, Lady Wisdom wants to come along and take away the dollar signs from our eyes. She wants to tell us about the deceitfulness of riches. One man pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Well, there's another danger of money in the next proverb, uh, chapter 13, verse 8. Uh, A man's riches may ransom his life. Sounds good, doesn't it? If you've got money, you can get yourself out of jail free. You can buy yourself a lawyer if you get taken to court and are sued. Uh, But have a look at the next line. A poor man hears no threat. They don't need to have loads of money to buy a rich lawyer because they're unlikely to be targeted by somebody because they're not a juicy target. They haven't got the money to pay. Now, I don't want to be naive about this. Of course, there are people who do try and scam the poor. But the reality is, if you become a millionaire overnight, you are going to find yourself the next day surrounded by loads of people who are going to be trying to get your money in a way that you didn't have before. Having wealth brings complications in life. It brings a whole set of questions and issues that you didn't have before. And the thing is, that will change you, won't it? When you have pressures and and situations facing you, over time, that will change you. Money changes your life, both for good and for ill. A few years ago, Jennifer Lopez, or J-Lo, the American singer uh, who comes originally from the Bronx, a poor part of New York, uh, sang this. She said, don't be fooled by the rocks that I've got. I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the block. I think that is both wise and foolish. Jenny, Jennifer, J-Lo is wise to tell us not to be fooled by the diamond rocks that she's got. Because we probably do assume certain things about J-Lo, don't we? Because she's wealthy. And we shouldn't. She may have nothing. But I think it's also naive for her to tell us that she's still Jenny from the block, despite all the rocks that she's got. Because the reality is she will be different to Jenny growing up. Her path has taken a different course to the one that she would have had if she just stayed in the Bronx. She is going to be a different person. She'd have to be very strong for wealth to not have changed her at all. So Lady Wisdom tells us to value wealth, but also to be wary of its dangers. She tells us that wealth is a tightrope. It would be very easy to fall off. And so that raises the question then, how should we handle wealth in this world? What should we do about money, getting it, and what should we do if we've got it? And so those are our last two points. Firstly, the wise don't rush to get wealth. Turn with me to chapter 28, please. Whoops, and I've skipped on into Isaiah, such was my eagerness to get to chapter 28. Um, Chapter 28 is on page 664. And have a look with me at verse 20. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. So we've got a contrast there between blessing and punishment. That could be in this life, or it could be in the next life. It's not that clear. But the contrast in the first part of the the line is not what we expect 
a faithful man will expect the opposite to be an unfaithful man or a sinner. But a faithful man, the opposite in this proverb, is one who is eager to get rich. I think that's a surprise to us. Because we're used to saying that it's not money that's the problem, it's the love of money. And so as long as you have God and and trust him and you're a Christian, you can just go off and get as much money as you, you want. We encourage our kids to be Christians, but also to get the biggest, highest paying job that they can. But the thing is, in this proverb, faithfulness and eagerness to get money are tugging in two different directions. They're pulling away from each other. Jesus said you cannot serve God and money. And that's because eagerness to get rich will tend to lead to being unfaithful. If you're hungry for money, then you'll cut corners to get what you want. And you can see an example of that in verse 21. To show partiality is not good. We all know that, don't we? We hate corruption. We hate somebody who takes a bribe. Yet a man will do wrong for a piece of bread. If you're hungry for money, you'll let your colleague lie on their tax return, or you might even do it yourself. And then verse 22 gives us a picture of how that punishment might come. A stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. Picture a woman so focused on her wealth that she doesn't look up to see that what is crowding in on her is poverty. Uh, She's forgotten, maybe, how to win friends and influence people, and so her bank balance is going to be going over the next few years. Or maybe she just lacks all of the really important things in life. She's become a laughingstock. She's a miser. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. So the wise don't rush to get wealth. Um, I don't know if you remember, in the early days of the financial crisis, there was an Icelandic bank called iSave uh, that a lot of British people invested their savings in because it offered uh, very high interest rates, about 5 or 6%, I think, just for straightforward ISA, if I remember correctly. But it went bust in the early days of the crisis. And I was actually one of the people who had invested in iSave, and I was there very nervously wondering if I'd lost all my money. Fortunately, the British government decided to bail us all out, and so I got all my, all my savings back. But that was a lesson for me to not just go online and look at what the best interest rate is without thinking about the risk. Don't just go for the quickest option to get rich, because there's a bigger picture. And if that's true of what bank we should put our savings in, It's much more true for our lives, isn't it? Don't just focus on getting rich and miss out on the things that really matter in life. Things like faithfulness. Things like steadfast love. Now, that's not saying, of course, that wealth creation is a bad thing. Uh, Have a look at verse 19. Chapter 28 still. He who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. This proverb's asking us what our dreams are, isn't it? 
What are your dreams? Do you dream of becoming a star through X Factor or something like that, going on to overnight success when people spot your talent? Do you dream of investing in the right business or the right stock and being able to retire early? Maybe you dream of buying a house on the cheap and being able to turn it over in just a couple of years and make a fortune. Well, be careful, Lady Wisdom says. Fantasies don't feed people. Let's have different dreams. Let's dream of keeping our sleeves rolled up, our noses in the game for the whole of our working lives. Let's dream of being steadfast, faithful people over the long haul. If you give yourself to slow, hard work, the general tendency is, in God's world, that you won't be poor. You'll have enough to feed yourself and to feed your family. Now, we're going to be looking at work a bit more next week, so I won't say any more about that now. But let's be dreaming of that instead, that slow walk of faithfulness. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy in the New Testament, Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Don't rush to be wealthy, Lady Wisdom says. Be in a hurry to grow in righteousness. And the thing is, that will actually equip us to handle wealth if it does come our way. And this is our final point, and then we'll draw things together. If you've got wealth, what should you do with it? Have a look at verse 27 of chapter 28. When the wicked rise to power... Oh, no, sorry, verse 27. um, He who gives to the poor will lack nothing. Now, that sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? Why would giving your money to the the very people who cannot pay you back mean be be a sort of a hard-headed business decision in this world? Well, one answer is in the second half of verse 27. He who closes his eyes to the poor receives many curses. If we're wise, we won't pretend that we can seal ourselves off in a kind of suburban bubble. As we drive past the poor in our expensive vehicles... We might not hear the poor swearing at us, but God does. We might not think about the cleaners who come in early morning to clean our offices, but they think about us, and they notice uh, who it is that's treating them well and who it is who takes them for a ride. And God promises, Proverbs tells us, to defend the poor when no one else will. In God's world, everyone matters. Equally, it does not matter how much money you've got. And so it's wise to be generous, particularly to the people who haven't got very much. It's the opposite, isn't it, of the the, the stingy woman who holds so tightly to her money but then ends up losing everything. In God's world, if, if you hold loosely to your money, you'll find that you receive far more than you give. And just an illustration of that, 1125. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. The wise are in a hurry to be generous, to give. Now, I'm not saying sell everything and give what you have to the poor, because then you won't be able to give. 
It'd be a very short-sighted sermon, I think, that asked you all to do that. Now, Jesus asked a guy to do that once, didn't he? And, and that's because the money was blinding him. The dollar signs in his eyes were stopping him from being a faithful person. And maybe if you're worried about that, if you're worried that wealth maybe is deluding you, then it would be a good idea to go home this morning and work out how you're going to give your savings a haircut. Take, you know, 10, 25% of your savings, work out where you're going to give it. Or maybe you give your spending a haircut, work out which coffee or which um, magazine or whatever it is you're not going to get. But the, the reality is that life in this world uh, does mean that we're not all going to be able to go around without any money. Money does have value, but we need to be more ready to give it than to get it. And that's a tightrope, isn't it? We're encouraged to give money, that's great, but to give it, you've got to get it. And when you get it, that's going to lead to temptations and difficulties. So here's the tightrope as we walk along money, as we look, walk the path of faithfulness in God's world with our money. It's valuable, but it comes with a health warning. It's good to give it, but it's bad to be in a hurry to get it. Whether we've got money or not, it's going to be a constant danger of drawing us in, of making our lives circle around it. And wisdom starts by, by simply recognizing that that is the reality. This is the tightrope that we're going to have to walk on. But as we close, let's remember that, as Christoph was saying a few weeks ago, the book of Proverbs is a gospel book. It's a book about the Lord Jesus and his grace to us. And it is primarily that, I think, because the book of Proverbs points us to a Christ who is the fulfillment of Lady Wisdom. He is God in the flesh, God's wisdom for us. Now, Jesus doesn't seem to have been materially rich in his life on earth but he was definitely generous. Think about it. He gave up heaven's riches, the unimaginable riches of life and fellowship with God, so that we, through his poverty, would become rich. Jesus walked that tightrope ahead of us. He was offered the splendor and the kingdoms of the world, but he chose instead the long, slow, hard walk of faithfulness. And so he shows us how to follow him, but more than that, he also holds us by the hand to stop us falling. In Luke 16, Jesus advises us that what we have now, the money we have now, is just a shadow of the riches that he will give us when he, when he comes with his kingdom. And he assures us that if we belong to him now, we are already rich, whatever our bank balance says. That is reality in God's world. If you're trusting in Jesus, if you've taken hold of the wisdom that offers us eternal life in the right hand and true riches in the left hand, then you are already rich. Jesus is God's wisdom for us. And we'll want to then center our lives around that fact. Because we're rich in Christ, we're going to be able to value wealth rightly. We won't overvalue it. We'll be ready to use it for good. If we know that our bank balances are already full, uh, then we won't be deceived by worldly wealth. We won't be sucked into chasing fantasies in order to get rich. We'll be ready for that long walk of faithfulness with the money that we have been given.
So friends, let's remember this. Remember that in Christ we are already rich. Remember that we have everything in him. And that when Jesus comes, we will be entrusted with true riches. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father God, we want to praise you this morning for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he was willing to give up everything to come and die for us. Thank you that he didn't choose to get rich quickly when the devil offered him the splendor of this world, but gave it up and chose to become poor so that we would become rich. Father, we thank you for him. And Father, we pray that as we think of what we have in him, as we think of the wealth that is ours in him, we pray that that would help us to navigate uh, wealth in this world. We pray that it would help us to walk along that tightrope, help us to value our money rightly, help us to be wary of it, help us to not be in a hurry to get it, and help us to be ready and generous to share what we have with others. We ask that you'd make us wiser than we already are. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen.